1 John chapter 3, verse 1 reads, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and we will be what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you've given us an opportunity to gather. I ask, Lord, now that as we begin to open up your scriptures, that you begin to endue us with tremendous power. Lord, I pray that you are become strong among us. Lord, I believe that you've been present with us in worship. I believe that you've been present with us prayer. And I ask now that you be present with us as we begin to open up your word. Touch our hearts, touch our minds. And when you begin to convince us of your righteousness and convince us of your glory, and we begin to see that demonstrated in our own lives, Lord, let us give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Uh, today I have a, a question that I have for us all in the room is, now how do you actually typically answer uh, the greeting that people give you when they ask you, what do you do for a living? Uh, years ago, I realized that I answered this question, what do I do for a living, in a way that actually made me feel important to others who would ask me that question. And, um, you know, in that time, in my mind, I could proudly declare that I was an executive of a bank and so I would answer that question by telling them exactly that. that. Who am I? I'm an executive. And it made me feel good to be able to say that. And then I actually realized that, that the answer to that question was also the consumption of my life and also my time. And so that actually meant that I spoke like an executive, I drove like an executive, I taught like an executive, I thought like an executive, and I acted like an executive. Because my whole world was focused on being an executive. Who I believe that we say that we are in the world reveals how we think about ourselves, how we live, and what's our focus in life. You know, sometimes even people look about who our past was, and we still want to hold on to that when people ask us who we are, because that's a reflection of who we actually intend to be. You know, I even like today, in our age today, of, of actually thinking about, like, who we are by looking at people's bios on either Instagram or Twitter. And sometimes I like the, how people answer that question, because they'll say, I'm a husband, I am a father, I am a child of God, you know, I am this, I am that. And it begins to give you an understanding of probably where their focus is, is in life. When we read 1 John chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3, I believe God is, is helping all of us to understand maybe what our true identity should be and what it actually should be focused on. 1 John chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1, reads to us, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, 
that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is because they did not know him. And so that tells us that our identity is actually wrapped up in being called a children of God. And as I thought about this word, a children of God, and it, it, before you can actually get to even understanding what God means by being a child of God, the, the author tells us, behold what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should even be called a child of God. You know, and I, I put this in my own words, and I thought about it, if I was to put myself in that shoes, behold what kind of love a man has to a woman that she should be called his wife. You know, or even if you're a wife in this room, behold what kind of love a woman has for a man that he should be called her husband. You know, this reality where you have decided that the love that you have for another individual is so impactful and so important that you would actually change the reality of what you call that person and what you call that person begins to define how you fulfill that relationship with them. You know, or you can even say, if you bring it into the, the child aspect, behold, if you're a parent or if you're a parent or behold, what kind of manner of love a parent has for a child that that child should be able to be called a son or a daughter. Because what that means is that as a son or a daughter, you've decided to raise that child. You've decided to change that uh, child's diapers. You've decided to feed that child. You've decided to clothe that child. You've decided to pour all that you have into that child's life. And so God is kind of telling us the same thing when he says, behold what manner a man, a father has that, that he has given to us that we should be called children of God. You know, he has decided, in essence, to love us enough to be called his own children. And so for him, you know, that means that just as we are raising children and, and Cecil was raised and at one point he had to get his dirty drawers clean and by his parents. You know, in the same way God is saying that I have invested you to the point that I've, if you are willing to be called a child of God, that I will change your smelly spiritual diapers. <laughs> you know, that, that if you're willing, that I will feed you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I will also raise you to the same kind of level that I raised my first begotten son. Because the Bible actually in Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so in this aspect of actually understanding Christmas and the aspect of understanding the baby in the manger, God has actually said that I've actually predestined before the foundation of the world to actually for you to actually be called a child of God according to the image of the Son of God. And so the baby in the manger has come not only as an aspect of salvation to actually provide for us an understanding of what he gives to us, but actually so that we are conformed to live and actually be like him. 
So when we look at those candles that we lit earlier, and we recognize that, that the baby in the manger was actually supposed to bring hope into this world, so are you and I supposed to bring hope in this world. When the baby in the manger is actually come into this world so that you and I are able to receive a, a peace that is unexpressible, you and I are supposed to provide peace to other people in the same kind of way. When the baby in the manger has brought joy into this world that is unexpressible, you and I were actually called to be conformed to the image of his son so that you and I bring joy to another individual as well. And when the baby in the manger brought love into this world, you and I were predestined before the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of that son to bring love into this world as well. You know, I'm not a father yet, so I don't understand how the father has an understanding to for so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever shall believe in him shall no longer perish but have everlasting life. But I have been a son before. And as being a son before, I remember the first time that I really understood the love that my father had for me. And I remember I was probably in uh, one of my typical rebellious uh, child stages uh, that little Cecil might be in right now. <laughs> but as, you know, as, as a teenage child, you think that you know it all. And as a teenage child, you think that um, you, can, you are smarter than the parent. And as a teenage child, you think that you are stronger than the parent. As, as, as a teenage child, uh, you know, in, in aspects, you want to do it your own way. And I remember this one time where I was feeling myself. <laughs> and as I was feeling myself, um, I had a friend of mine uh, who really just loved my father. And I kept wondering, why do you love my dad so much? I don't think I love him like you love him. But as he, as he was loving my father, uh, she said, man, your dad is just cool. I said, man, I hate that. But she said, no, 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 seriously, look, look at how he looks at you. And so for the first time in my life, I probably looked in the eyes of my father. And I looked in his eyes, and I immediately just melted. Um, because what I saw was a father who was proud. You know, a father who was proud of who his son had become. And as, as I experienced that, I said, man, you know, all this arrogance and all this youthful brazenness that I had at that time just needed to go away because my, my father loves me. And I had never really experienced in the way up until that point. And as I experienced that, you know, my, my life really changed in my relationship with him. I wanted to spend more time with him. You know, I wanted to get to know him in a way that I had never gotten to know him before. I wanted to hang out where he hung out so that I could actually just understood more about his life. You know, I remember our life changed so much that when I would come home from college, he would bake me these pound cakes. You know, my dad had never baked a cake before, but he would bake these pound cakes and I would eat them, and I'd be appreciative because my father and I were experiencing some kind of love that we had never experienced before. And so God is telling us in this verse, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. 
you know, this Christmas season, you know, maybe the greatest gift that God can give us is a new identity. You know, a new identity that we are truly his children, whom he has so loved that we should be called his children. You know, so loved to the point that he looks upon us as his beloved in the way that my father looked upon me as his beloved. And said that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, the same way that the father looked upon Jesus Christ for without any him, him doing, not one miracle yet, but he looked at Jesus Christ and said, this is my son in whom I'm well, in whom is my well-beloved. And so as, as I think about that today, you know, I want to be a son of God. You know, I want to be a son who, who God actually looks upon with those loving eyes and actually he feels the appreciation of who I am because I am his creation and I've been created in the image of his son to be just like the son who was born in a, as a baby in the manger. A baby who was actually called to provide hope, peace, joy, and love to the world. You know, up until the point where I want to understand what it means to embrace and experience all that it actually desires to be called a child of God. Verse 2 says that, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, he shall, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. <clears throat> now, I mentioned that when I was an executive, I thought like an executive. I dressed the part. I dressed like an executive. I talked like an executive who had some business sense. And um, I drove like an executive. I drove the cars that the executives would drive because I had it modeled in me. You know, every Tuesday at 6 a.m., I had a mentor that I actually would meet with because I wanted to get better at my job because I wanted to be like him. You know, so he was my model. He was my example of what I wanted to be. Those models, you know, give in our lives are, are, are created so that we have our lives shaped by what we want to become and what we aspire to. You know, even when I grew up and I dribbled a basketball, I, I used to walk to the grocery store and dribble a basketball up and to from with my right hand. And then when I would come back, I dribble it, you know, with my left hand because I heard a great NBA basketball player did that when he was 12 years old. You know, he set the pathway for, for what I wanted to do at that point in time in my life. I quickly understood that Basketball wasn't my calling in life. <laughs> and so I passed on and actually decided to do something else. When I got married or wanted to get married, I realized that I actually needed to be a godly man. And so I actually desired for godly examples to be set up in my life so I can actually understood and understand what it actually meant to be a godly husband. As much as I love my father, my father wasn't a man who would read the scriptures and have it applied to his relationship with my mother. And so as I got older, I needed new kind of examples for God actually to show me what it actually meant to be a godly husband. You know, I'm not here to actually, you know, talk about how to be an executive or how to, how to learn how to be a basketball player or even how to be a godly husband. But the Bible actually tells us here in verse chapter 2, verse 2, that we are 
created to be conformed to the image of the Son by actually looking at who the Son is. You know, we get an understanding that we can actually be like the Son if we actually set our lives to let the Son be a model in our life. And so the Son actually has come as a baby in a manger with full of humility, shedding off his his deity, shedding off his power, shedding off all that he actually is in a humble state, growing up just like you and I in the lowliest places, and yet he is still the savior of the world. You know, you and I may come from backgrounds that are not perfect. You know, we may come from the lowliest state, but God says that if you conform yourself to the image of the Son, humbling yourself just as he is, God will actually look upon you with favor to be able to say that you will be the blessing to other people, just like my son is the blessing to all the world. You will be able to provide the hope, the joy, and the peace, and the love to the communities that actually need the love and joy and peace that is necessary. So there's a reality where God says that I not only want you to experience the baby in the manger, but I actually want you to become the baby in the manger. And many times we live our lives just simply recognizing that the baby in the manger is the greatest gift, but God has also called us to actually learn how to conform ourselves to become the baby itself. To say that I've actually called you in the same kind of way that I called my son to be a light into the world. And so one of the greatest things that I think that we have today is recognizing how beautiful the baby is this season, but then also challenging ourselves to be able to say, who am I this Christmas season? You know, who am I in aspects of, have I have recognized that my, my number one identity, my number one priority in life is not to be the executive, is not to be a basketball player, is not to actually be a husband, but actually learning how to recognize, am I truly the child of God that I was called and predestined to be? You know, am I the baby in the manger who is humble enough to actually allow God to feed my spiritual mess to the place and clean me spiritually so I can grow up and actually learn how to be the godly example that God actually wants me to be in the world? You know, it's interesting if you look at verse three, that the last verse that we'll read today says that, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The word pure here is is to kind of keep yourself in a holy state to to continue to change and actually be who God actually called you to be. Now, what's what's interesting is I didn't read the rest of the passages, four, five, six, seven, and eight. But a lot of it actually has to do with actually us moving away from sin, you know, calling us to a place where we don't walk the same manner that we used to walk because of the fact that God has not called us to truly be something special in the world. And I find that so striking that that not only God does he say to us that I've called you to such a high and lofty calling to actually be my child, but I've called you in such a way that you've got to Hold yourself with that kind of esteem. You know, hold yourself to that reality that you've got to actually live the part out if I've actually called you to the place. You know, and I think many times that that I don't know if we want to stretch, or I don't know if I want to stretch as much as God wants me to stretch to purify myself 
just as I'm called to be purified. You know, when I was actually um, thinking about this last part, I was reminded of um, a, a basketball player that, that got up on the stage when he won the MVP award and he told the whole world that his mother was the real MVP. And I think that there's a, a unique reality in this world that, and I think it's a special time where we see young boys and girls who come from a manger experience. And what I mean that they come from a lowly state. They come when they didn't have anything. And then when they get to be 18, 19, 20 years old, the first thing that they do is actually they want to give it back to their parents. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that where, where somebody has bought a, his mom and his bought his dad a house or a car, but they decided that the one who raised me, I want to honor and I want to give back and I want to give them all that, that I feel appreciated of how they invested in my life. Anybody understand? So when, when the MVP said that, he said, no, no, no. Mom's actually the real MVP because she poured and she invested so much into my life. I'm only here because of what she was able to do. I'm the MVP now because she was an MVP for 18 years. So in the same kind of way, God is, is saying to us that because I've invested in you when you were a child of God, in verse 3, now, the opportunity is for you to actually glorify me and allow me to really be the real MVP. For, for you to actually begin to live your life so that people understand that the reason why you do what you do is because God invested so much in you when you were a baby in the manger that the only thing now that I can do is to actually live my life for him. Because all that he has done for us is so good. It's so loving. It reminds me of, of my father. I, I am so honored today to be a junior because my father loved me and gave his name. And now I can actually honor the world by actually being something that he was never before. Because the senior allowed me to experience his love and now be greater. In the same kind of way, God is actually saying to us, as a child of God, I've actually put my hand upon you so that you could be great in this world, not for your namesake, but because I loved you. Because I loved you to the point that I've actually given you all that I've had. I've emptied myself, given you all that you've ever needed in the world so that you could actually now understand that you are so significant, not in your own self, but your significance becomes from me. Years ago, I used to I wrestled with this idea of understanding who am I really? You know, my birth certificate says that I'm from Ohio. My driver's license says that I live in Illinois. And I moved out here and I started to understand, but God actually says that I'm his child. I used to say all the time that I was an executive, but God said that I was his child. So what is my identity when people ask me a question, who am I? Am I the executive? Am I the little boy from Steubenville? You know, am I the, the, the man who actually grew up and got a degree? Or am I his child? You know, when somebody asks me that question today, should, should my answer be, I am a child of God and I live for his glory? 
You know, I'm a child of God who has, who has received love, who has received joy, who has received peace, who has received hope. And as this child, I simply want to give back hope, joy, peace, and love to others as well. So on this Christmas day, our question of asking ourselves, who are we today? Who are you? You know, are you able to actually receive the gift of who God has actually called you to be of a new identity, an identity that is rested in being able to recognize that the Savior of the world, think about that, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, has come as a baby in the manger so that you and I can be formed, can be conformed to his image to be just like him and walk alongside him. That's our identity if you choose to accept it. This Christmas day, my greatest gift is to bask in that, to recognize it, to appreciate it, to love it even more than I've ever loved it in all my life so that I can actually experience the same kind of love that the Father has for me. I pray that in Jesus' name.